0: up everybody welcome to draft Chaff. my name is zach i'm one of your hosts and joining me as always is ben fisher ben i did it in the right order this time
1: <laughs> we're getting better at these intros although i haven't been doing many bits in the beginning i, I guess between all these kaldheim spoilers and the-, the wild winter weather outside there's just been a lot going on right
0: yeah for sure i mean we're gonna get a nice little break here though with uh, christmas coming up and you know you'll get a break i'll get a break it'll be great right but this is episode number 26 And we're going to be talking about Cube. We're going to talk all things Cube, a bunch of different Cube variants, and our own Cube as well, as Ben and I have been doing a lot of work on that. But before we get to those things, we of course have to plug our sponsor. We're sponsored by MTG Arena Zone, which is your top destination for all Magic the Gathering Arena articles, decks, news, and more. They have plenty of content for constructed and limited players alike, from top archetypes to theory articles and lots of other stuff. Check them out. Their their writing is pretty phenomenal over there, and um, we're happy to have them supporting us. Of course, the show is also brought to you by you, the listener, via Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. We've got a few different tiers over there. You can get some stickers, can get access to a behind-the-scenes kind of look at our episodes before and after, um, a bit of banter between Ben and I. We have an opening still for our founder tier, which involves some coaching from us, so if you're interested in that, check that out as well. And of course, that's the best way to support us uh, directly and, and really have an, an inside look at the show. We have a few other things to plug as well before we get into the episode. Of course, there's our Discord, which we plug every week. Been some great discussion there, and we had our first ever Commander Sealed League event last weekend, which was phenomenal. We had a lot of fun. It was great to get to actually like play Magic with you guys and enjoy building these these Commander decks with Commander Legends. It was a whole, whole lot of fun. Congrats to Andy for being our uh, first champion of the Commander Sealed League. We'll get into who won the, the other
1: pod. I don't know who, who, won, who won, uh, uh, Andy, Andy took us down.
0: He did. Yeah. And uh, Jack won the other pod with Archelos.
1: Ah, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That was so much fun. Uh, just honestly, the, the fact that even if like, l- let's say all of our, our episodes got like destroyed immediately and we just went off the air forever, even knowing that we've made it this far and like made friends via the internet, that we get to play magic with that alone is more than we ever could have hoped for. It was so fun to do.
0: Absolutely. And it sounds like there's going to be more to come. Everybody's been getting really interested in EDH lately and very happy to see that and, and hear oh, that yeah. from everybody.
1: Um, maybe, uh, maybe I can take Elk for a spin, show <laughs> these people how to really play Commander. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, besides, if you're interested in that and want to get involved with the Discord more, you can check out the link to that in our episode description or on our Twitter page, Draft Chaff Pod. Otherwise, we have a few things coming up. We mentioned last week for Christmas, because we will have an episode coming out on Christmas, we have a holiday mailbag episode planned, so if you are interested in asking us questions to be answered on that episode, anything counts, anything goes, you can ask us whatever you want. We don't really, it doesn't need to be magic related, you can ask us whatever. We've had some really awesome questions submitted already, so we're super excited to talk about those. If you want to ask a question for that, jump in the Discord, we have a channel open for the holiday mailbag episode. And on that very same episode, we are giving away a copy of our cube. Of course, it'll take some time for you to receive it, but we are going to be announcing the winner for the cube giveaway. All the details for that are, are in a pinned message in the announcements channel on our Discord as well. So if you want to know how to join, how to enter, you have until, well, the day after this episode airs, I believe, is when we're going to be pulling. Again, all the details are in that announcement channel. Check out the pinned post there. But that brings us to our crack a draft type thing, then. Why don't you walk us through? We've got a spicy arena cube pack.
1: Oh, yeah, we do. So, to kick off our foray into the world of cube, as it is a, you know, cube miss or holiday cubing, whatever you want to call it, it's cube time. And cube is honestly one of the most fun ways to play magic out there, as we are going to ramble about for the next 40 minutes or so. So, here we've got a pack of arena cube, which is one that many people are familiar with because it's been on arena, and that seems to be the most popular way to play today. So, in this pack, we've got an Underworld Ragehound, Heroic Reinforcements, Tangled Florahedron, Palaka Predation, Sky Marcher Aspirant, Animation Module, Yorian the Sky Nomad, Mouth to Feed, Jade Light Ranger, Elvish Reclaimer, Nightmare Shepherd, Dungeon Geists, Thalia, Guardian of Thraven, Hydroid Crisis, and Angel of Sanctions. Just ran through those, just ran through those pretty quickly, uh, although they are. Oh, moderately famous cards. Uh, People that have been playing on Arena for a while probably know these, and especially because a lot of these are from recent sets, mostly dating back through uh, Theros Beyond Death, and a few, of course, set ones before that. So, what are we looking at here? What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, so cube is a weird environment, right? A lot of these are rares, which can throw people off if you're not used to cube and you're not used to seeing these together because they weren't released in the same sets, so it can be kind of weird to figure out, Oh, especially on a pack one pick one, it's like, what on earth am I supposed to be doing here? Um, one thing I like to look for are mana rocks. There aren't technically any in this pack, so that that kind of sucks, but we do have the Tangled Fluorohedron, which is a good uh, stand-in for a mana rock, right? It's, it's a dork or a land, which works nicely. Um, the big mana decks and i know something ben really likes to preach about with cube in general and especially the arena cube is that you know every card is pretty pretty phenomenal so you want to try to find a way to break parity on those those cards and that might Mm -hmm. mean getting to play multiple cards in a turn but getting more mana is always excellent in cube so Tangle fluorohedron is a good spot to start i also of course start eyeing up hydroid crisis just because it gives you cards it gives you life and doesn't matter if that gets countered you're still getting those things so i really like hydroid crisis as well Mm -hmm. some of the tokens decks and counters decks have been pretty interesting to me this go around the animation Module is a pretty good card for those decks yeah i think i think honestly i'd be between tangled fluorohedron and hydroid crisis here but i think i'm pretty high on fluorohedron here
1: yeah i agree that was about my interpretation exactly now we can start to see some of the archetypes as we start to see what some of these cards are for example uh yorian which Uh, I don't know if I've seen Companioned yet. That'd be pretty tough to do even in in this cube. Uh, But we do see one of the other archetypes that I actually like more than most people, which is uh, kind of blue-white tempo. Sky Marcher, Aspirant, Dungeon Geist is a top end. Thalia, Guardian of Thraben. These cards, along with curiosity effects and some cheap interaction like bounce, can have a pretty quick clock in Limited. Well, especially because a lot of them are flyers or evasive or disruptive like Thalia. Mm-hmm. also here we see some of the more uh chunky aggressive cards uh, underworld rage hound and jade light ranger are pretty good well jade Light ranger can go in some of the slower decks too uh it draws you lands every once in a while which uh being able to cast your spells reliably reliably and, and drawing lands itself is just you know pretty great for any spell to do and uh one that comes with the body attached is pretty nice i like elvish reclaimer in the golo stacks uh, if you can pick up a field of the dead it's definitely worth playing an elvis reclaimer and some of these other cards just kind of meh palaka predation nightmare shepherd is fine in mono black uh, animation module i don't think is worth touching yeah i'm also between the crisis and the Florahedron here and i will say i took the Florahedron out of this pack which compared to the average pack of magic cards when you see an angel of sanctions a hydroid crisis and you're like no nah, i'm gonna take the two drop the thing is, those other ones, those top ends are replaceable. Ultimately, there's going to give you. You're going to open planeswalkers. You're going to open massive spells that do crazy things, and those effects are all relatively similar. So you want to look for these unique effects, like ramp or uh, card advantage repeatedly, or other win conditions. But uh, now I'm starting to spoil the show. Let's get to our Deferian civil, and then we can start rambling about how much we love Cube.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll kick us off with Teferi Tibble. My Teferi this week is that Christmas is next week, and I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Christmas is a pretty big deal for me and my family, and I haven't seen my my parents and siblings in quite a while, so it'll be nice to get down and, and actually see them. We are going to go down to South Jersey and hang out with them for a bit. Um, I'm also a massive snoop. Like, I love figuring out it's like a, a game for me, like a Sherlock Holmes style game. Like I love figuring out what everybody gets me before I get it, like before I open them uh, mm-hmm. on Christmas Day. So I'm a bit of a pest with that, and I've been pestering my wife quite a bit, and, and my father as well, just like messing with them so much about. Oh, so what did get I in? get you?
1: Doing?
0: Well, I haven't put the thought into what you got me. That's a good question. I I would love if we got each other the same thing. That would be hilarious. <laughs>
1: that would that would be pretty funny. I don't know. This the thing. You want to hint?
0: Sure. Uh, b- before you do, though, just for the listener, Ben is a phenomenal gift giver. He's very good at finding pointed gifts that are very specific to the person he's giving them to. So anyway, Why, thank
1: you. That is actually what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say it's but the thing that I, I gift to you is something that you would like a lot more than I would. That's the hint I'm going to give you.
0: That is likely not enough, but I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I bet you can put this together. And also, wait, uh, are we going to overlap in South Jersey? Can I just drive by your house and drop it off? Is like, I think if I have to figure out how to mail this, that's going to be annoying. Uh,
0: yeah, you can. Well, I'll be there from Well, we can talk after the after the cast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's, we'll figure, let's figure it out later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, my my typical is that we're in the middle of a really well, maybe we're not in the middle of it yet, but there is a pretty bad blizzard going on right now in, in North Jersey. And mm-hmm. uh, we're supposed to They're they're estimating we're going to get something upwards of a foot and a half of snow, which is. Kind of awful, but also great because I don't work in the office anymore. <laughs> like I, I work yeah. from home, so I can just enjoy looking at it. I don't really leave the apartment that often. So mm-hmm. how about
1: you? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of strange, this whole snow day uh, paradigm now that <laughs> every day is a snow day.
0: Yeah, right. You're And you're on the opposite end of that spectrum this this time around. You're not a student anymore. So you get to experience snow days from a teacher's perspective.
1: Yeah. And honestly, that's my tip this week. I actually don't like snow days when I'm teaching. They mess up planning so much. I had planned to have, uh, we have a two-day week before our, our holiday break starts, uh, and we have A-B scheduling. So I see some students on A days, some students on B days. So Monday, I was going to see half my kids. Tuesday, I was going to see the other half. And I had these like fun days planned. I let them pick the topics. They wanted to learn about aliens and dark matter and black holes. And I was like, sure, I'll talk about all that stuff. But now, because of the snow day, it's going to get pushed back. So I, I, I'm i having a quiz in some of my classes, too. Now, some of them are going to have to take the quiz, and some of them are going to have a fun day. and. I need to figure out how I'm going to work this out. Thankfully, I have off tomorrow now, so I guess I get to plan that. I guess we'll know when this episode goes live just how bad the snowstorm was. Um, but we're talking from the past, so hello, people in the future. Well, how bad is it? Let us know. Anyway, my my teferi is also that um, I do get a snow day tomorrow. And while it does mess up my planning, I'll have plenty of time to fix it. And it will be nice to sleep in for once. I don't remember the last time I slept past 7 a.m.
0: Yeah, and you can cube all day.
1: Oh, wow. I'm going to, oh man, that's it. That's it. I'm going to work on our cube and I'm going to play all these other cubes all day. Oh, it's going to be great.
0: Well, that brings us to our listener question of the week. This week, Andy X in the Discord asks, what is your go-to takeaway? And if you get a Chinese takeaway, what do you get? And for those of uh, our listeners, if you're on the the US side of things, takeaway is takeout. Like uh, if if you're not familiar, Andy's from from the UK. So um, yeah, takeout. I am a big foodie. I love food. I love to cook and um, go to takeaway. I would say probably is Chinese for me. I'm a big, big fan of Chinese food, even though that's like not real Chinese food. Right. In, in America, you can't really get like real Chinese food, but um, I do do love me some dumplings and stuff. So my typical Chinese takeaway is probably General South chicken with pork fried rice and an egg roll, like the generic chef special type. Type yeah. thing um i'm yeah. a big pad thai fan but i guess that doesn't quite count as chinese food i also really like indian i, I tend to get indian relatively recently relatively frequently and I, I actually got indian for lunch yesterday and pizza of course is very very good i don't know i'm not super picky uh these days mm-hmm. when i was a kid i was very picky but what about you what's your what's your go-to takeaway
1: honestly you took the words out of my mouth for a lot of those um i will say my honestly my, my top like the thing i get the most often is probably wawa uh which is oh, i guess explain- a pretty reasonable rich-
0: Explain Wawa yeah. to the to the listener, because Wawa is a is generally a Jersey thing, although it is in Pennsylvania, and some of them are popping up in Florida. But but yeah. please explain explain the wonders of Wawa to to our. It, listeners.
1: It's pretty regionalized. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Wawa, I'm genuinely sorry. It is amazing, and some people have other similar things. You, you could compare it to like Seven Eleven or you cannot. Or, but that's that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm saying. It's the same vein. But it's just so much better. It's like um, it's
0: like a luxury convenience store, if you can imagine such a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say that they have most things that other takeout places of the same kind would have. It's a lot of like comfort foods. You can get sandwiches, you can get soups and mac and cheese and paninis and, and quesadillas, that type of thing. Salads, if you're you know if you're going to take out to get a salad, I mean, <laughs> more power to you. But uh, they're also just great because it's also a gas station and it's you can also go and like pick up anything you need there like it, it's an all-around great store you never come away from wawa not having what you need i'm a big wawa fanboy, um so i probably is, get Wawa those most
0: people in this region
1: oh yeah for sure I, I i probably get wawa more often than any other kind of takeout but i will also say i'm a fan of uh, thai chinese i don't get pizza that often uh, as i'm actually lactose intolerant so it's you can only take so much before the, the, the price uh, starts to be paid. But um, <laughs> I do also like Taco Bell a lot. And I live in a uh, pretty Hispanic populated area. So there's also, uh, besides Taco Bell, I can actually go get actual Hispanic food when I, when I feel like it. And if I'm getting Chinese, I always get crab rangoon. Yep, that's uh, bad that, That's guaranteed. Uh, crab rangoon and then uh, a few egg rolls or spring rolls. And then I usually get pork fried rice. Or some kind of noodles, a noodle dish, or something something along those lines. It's honestly, I'm not very picky when it comes to that either. Although to shift away a little bit, I do also love sushi.
0: Sushi Um, is phenomenal. I am absolutely a huge fan of sushi and actually I might I might be getting Hannah to take me to an omakase restaurant, which is like the sit down small Ooh. like sushi restaurants where it's like two hundred dollars a person and you, you get like five pieces of fish, but it's amazing.
1: That sounds all. Awesome. can she take me too?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll ask her.
1: Yeah, run uh, that fire. That sounds great.
0: Uh yeah, but we'll see how that goes. So we have a we have an episode topic here. We mentioned it quite a bit already but we're talking all things cube this week so if you're new to the idea of cube you don't know what cube is you may be very very confused as to what we've been talking about and frankly i don't know why it's called cube maybe that should have happened in our research for this week's episode
1: but oh no, no. we looked that up once um we did a while ago yeah yeah i'm pretty sure there was no real good explanation for it
0: yeah it just doesn't that's right from what i remember it Nobody really knows why it's called that. It just is. Uh, but essentially, if you're not familiar with what cube is, a cube is a large collection of frequently powerful cards, though they don't have to be powerful cards, that are used for drafting and playing limited. Drafting a cube is very similar to your normal limited draft. Uh, you, you have three booster packs, but instead of drafting from three 15-card, like, pre-packaged magic boosters, you draft from 15-card quote-unquote packs That are created from your cube and the cube itself is essentially just a set of magic cards that you build yourself Mm -hmm. we can get into some of the details on what those look like generally the smallest cube is 360 cards because that's the number of cards it takes to have eight players with three packs of 15 cards in a 360 card cube every card is seen through the whole draft some some people build bigger cubes like 540 cards or, or even higher than that but that's that's what a cube is at its core. Of course, the biggest the biggest thing about cube is that it is super fun. Like, doesn't matter what the cube is, the whole idea is it. It's just one of the best. It's basically the best environment for for magic. Like, cube is the peak, like the pinnacle of what magic and especially limited magic can be. Yeah. Do you have anything to add on on what is a cube and what what cubing is?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people can find cube intimidating. I did it first for a long time, but. I think once you've kind of gotten the feel for it and once you understand how this limited environment is just a little bit different, uh, then you can really start to just go nuts with it. So another thing that I didn't know when I first started cubing was that the way packs work is different than uh, in a normal magic set. When I first opened my my first pack of Vintage Cube, which were, I started cubing with, uh, which you know, that went well, I was like, oh, so what's the mythic in this pack? So the way rarities work is nothing at all like how it works in a normal magic booster. There really is none. Uh, It it could be anything. You might open a pack with 10 mythics and like three commons, and maybe the commons are better than the mythics. It's kind of a carefully curated environment such that the cards, while not all the same power level, they don't necessarily have to fall in the same ordering. Uh, So you don't necessarily need that breakdown of one great card in the pack, a few okay cards in the pack, and then some common chaff. Instead, everything is going to be pretty good. So to go over some general heuristics to have when approaching a cube. When every single card is a bomb, uh, which as we saw in our first pack, like in a normal limited environment, those are the best of the best. Like some of these cards are just game winning on their own. Some of these are unbeatable. Like those that ever cast an angel of sanctions or a hydroid crisis uh, in their, you know, original limited environments know that those cards are almost unbeatable. But in cube, when the removal is so good and the threats are so good, everything's kind of one for one with each other or maybe two for one with each other. When every card is a one-for-one one or a two-for-one, then you need to find other ways to break that parity. Normally, in like a normal limited environment, think of how it's like scaled down. Uh, every card is kind of like a one-for-one. One. And then when you have a big card draw spell, you break that parity and you can get ahead. Once you've traded off a bunch of stuff or they've killed your creatures with removal spells, you reload your hand and then you find yourself way ahead. Well, when both players are constantly reloading their hands and playing all these wild spells that have crazy effects, you need to break that parity somehow. So a few ways you can do that are finding reliable ways to cast your spells. So taking lands highly that let you fix your colors. Uh, I take lands fairly highly. I I often take lands between uh, starting at like third pick through seventh pick uh, to kind of start solidifying what colors I'm in. I take green lands even higher because uh, green tents let you splash and and get into other colors a little easier. Uh, There's some dryads in the the set that let you do that. Other ways you can break this parity are Casting cards ahead of schedule. So like Zach mentioned earlier, ramping is extremely important in this format. There's a good number of two-drop and three-drop ramp spells. So when you're finding these, uh, you can take them pretty highly and then consider what cards you can ramp into directly. So if you have a lot of two-drop ramp spells, uh, you want to start picking up some good four-drop payoffs. Uh, or if you have a lot of three-drop ramp spells, you want to pick up some five-drops.
0: One thing to, to mention there with the lands is that something that Ben alluded to earlier when we were doing our, our uh, crack-and-draft type thing is that all the cards essentially there are i mean everything's relative right so within the context of the cube there are worse cards than others but when every card is a bomb you have the luxury of being able to pick up your bombs late and what that Mm -hmm. does is it lets you set up the foundation for your deck which is why taking lands so highly is really good they're not replaceable you can't find other cards to do the same thing that a land does whereas you can find another six drop that wins the game for you and so yeah. taking, taking the lands highly before everybody else is able to means that you are able to be comfortable and flexible about your colors, lets you be flexible about your archetypes you're getting into and sets you, sets you up, gets that foundation under your belt for what your deck can be. And I think it's, there's a huge, huge revelation between when you like start picking lands up and you realize, you know, there, the, between like taking the lands highly early and instead of taking them late because you'll notice when you start taking them early you're like okay you can start to see your deck come together and you can like i said you can be flexible if you start taking them late then you find yourself in this like crunch mode where you're like i can't play this deck if i don't pick up a couple of lands like i just don't have the fixing to support these colors i'm trying to run Um, and it it really makes your decks less they're they're kind of the glue that holds your deck together basically
1: yeah especially because a lot of these Very strong cards that make it into cubes often have restrictive mana costs, whether they're multicolored cards or if they're mono colored cards that have multiple color symbols. So you might have a card that costs one red, red, and one green, green, green in the same deck. Uh, And that's perfectly playable if you have maybe five dual lands that tap for both red and green, which is very reasonable. In fact, I was playing a deck just like that earlier today and it was great. So um, another way you can break this parity is playing things more often than your opponent. So this is finding, well, ramping early kind of factors into this, but playing cheaper threats uh, that are still game affecting. So uh, aggro is actually better than it might seem. Mono red and red green uh, can be very powerful in in cubes. Uh, in older cubes like vintage cube, mono white can sometimes get there as well. So these very aggressive decks punish players that are trying to ramp into the late game and resolve these big spells that do wild things. Well, if your opponent's dead, it doesn't matter how many cards they drew, they're dead. So be on the lookout for decks that can play things faster than, than your opponent to enact your game plan first. Uh, now, to kind of go along with these three ideas of um, casting spells reliably, casting things ahead of schedule, and more often than your opponent, Planeswalkers are a great place to be for this uh, because they have an effect every turn. And ramping into one of these early, playing this earlier than your opponent, means that they're gonna have a really tough time catching up. So one of the easiest ways to win a game of Arena Cube is a uh, curving a two-drop ramp spell into a four-drop Planeswalker, or a three-drop ramp spell into a five-drop Planeswalker. Uh, Especially when you're on the play, this'll often just bury opponents in card advantage or uh, mana advantage or otherwise tempo advantage. Two cards that I wanted to highlight from Arena Cube, as this is one that's on a lot of our minds right now, are Mind Stone and Dryad Green Seeker. Uh, Mind Stone, it ramps you. Uh, it can go in any deck because it's colorless. And then when you don't need it anymore, you can even cash it in for a card. And Dryad Green Seeker uh, is a one and a green for a one three. You can tap it to look at the top card of your library. And if it's a land, you can reveal it and put it into your hand. So this is a another repeatable source uh, of card advantage and kind of mana advantage because it lets you reliably hit your land drop every single turn. And I mean, would you play a one green that said "Tap, draw three cards"? <laughs> but you can activate this. But you can activate this once a game. I would. Yeah, that, that's about what this card does. So there's some other good things in Arena Cube. Uh, Arena Cube specifically, if you want to get into that, it has a lot of the sets that are on Arena. Pretty much all of them. And then there's some cards that are not. It's uh, had a few changes recently, thanks to the new sets that have been put on Arena. Namely, we see some cards from Kaladesh and from Amonkhet on there.
0: And Zendikar Rising, now, the MDFCs have made a big splash in the arena cube.
1: Mm, that's true. The the flip mythic lands are just awesome in every single cube. People have been loving them in vintage too. Now, um, sadly, in the last iteration of arena cube, green was just the best color by far. Now control decks have gotten some help. And I, I hate to say this, but blue white is pretty good. Blue white control works and I've gotten punished by it. <laughs>
0: Wait, can you uh can you repeat that i don't think i heard you
1: <laughs> blue it's white, blue pretty good
0: <laughs> that's what i thought
1: Ugh. i've actually gotten milled out a few times too by these blue mill decks that are going around now which, yeah well, um, ruin crabs
0: in the in the cube now so we have ruin crab we have a bunch of the other mill themes from like some of the rogue cards and like the zendikar rising mill sub theme and then there are a bunch from from outside of that set that were around before zendikar rising that that now are bolstered by the zendikar rising uh, mill payoffs
1: mm-hmm. folio of fancies uh the jace that upticks yep. to mill through, whatever the thing's called Wheeler of mysteries wielder of mysteries right yeah jace uh, uh and some other... <laughs> yeah some, something like that uh a bunch of other random stuff like this uh so mono blue mill ugh, make, makes green a little harder to play but uh another cool thing about cube uh in pretty much every cube you'll ever encounter is that all decks are pretty good Uh, you can win a game with pretty much any cube deck just because the cards that are in these cubes are often uh, so high in raw power level that, you know, if you cast enough of them and you make your land drops and resolve them, then you're going to win some games. So that's why being able to cast them effectively, ramping into them early, or just making sure you get your lands to play them on time uh, are such uh, important aspects of cubing.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, that means that you want to be looking out for cards that... Um, like Ben said earlier, can, can repeat card advantage, can ramp you. Cards that are really difficult to interact with because everybody's looking to one-for-one one or two-for-one. So if, if you have cards that are hard to deal with, that puts you in a, in a position of power throughout the, throughout the game, and that's another way to, to break that parity. Um, which also means you want to be running Artifact and Enchantment Hate, right? Like One of my favorite decks that I've drafted so far in the Arena Cube is a green-white tokens deck because there is some pretty good support for that archetype and mm. it ran it ran the green enchantment that doubles counters like adds additional counters and then it ran oh, yeah. the white enchantment that adds additional tokens oh and, yeah and then it had a top end with overwhelming splendor which is just a great way to shut your opponent's deck down and it was this weird yeah. like i'm doubling everything i'm doing but then also you can't play anything that matters and that was nice. that was a fun deck i i really I think it went 3-3 like I didn't trophy with it or anything but it was a really fun deck to play and that's the kind of thing you can expect to see in a cube especially one that's like readily available like arena or vintage or whatever that's on mtgo they're just they're just so fun every every deck is amazing to draft
1: yeah honestly the biggest takeaway of cube is that it's supposed to be fun this is kind of I don't know it's limited dessert like if this was around all the time uh, if we got to play arena cube whenever we wanted i don't think we'd value it as much because it'd be like all right like we, we get it now we know how it works but the fact that it's around every once in a while i mean i wish it was a little more often but the fact that it's around every once in a while still just makes it great and i like that they've been updating it right i yeah. guess for those control players out there
0: well that's i mean th- there's something to be said about that too because that's a big aspect of cubes is that they don't necessarily end like zendikar rising is zendikar mm. rising and it's always going to be zendikar rising that set right. is is 300 whatever cards it is, 360-something cards. It is it is what it is, and it's a great limited format, and I love the environment there, but it's just going to be Zendikar Rising forever. The Arena Cube is going to update with every set that comes out or every few sets that comes out, however frequently they, they are publishing mm-hmm. the cube. Yeah. And that means that every time the cube comes back, and I think this plays into what you're saying about it being kind of a dessert, is that if it didn't go away, then it wouldn't feel quite as interesting when, when they make updates to it. Because... It goes away, and then when it comes back, it's almost a completely different environment, even though a lot of the cards are the same. And that's another aspect of cubing that's really, really intriguing. Like, things just shift, and you can change them however you want. And we've been experiencing this in our own cube, which we'll get to in a little while uh, mm-hmm. with the Draft Shaft cube that we've been building. But um, we had a couple of other cubes that we wanted to highlight just to kind of go over some other flavors of cube that you can anticipate getting involved with or, or look forward to. So Arena Cube is one of them. Then, of course, uh, another one that's been on Arena recently and will be coming back shortly uh, is Tinkerer's Cube. And this one's a bit more narrow. It's it's not like like Arena Cube is Arena's attempt to make a vintage cube, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's whereas, the most powerful, the powerful. There's synergies, but um, it's mostly just like raw power.
0: Right, right. Tinkerer's Cube was a bit more like there are less bombs, more build arounds. It's kind of a bit more grindy. Um, there were some enablers that just didn't quite get there if you couldn't put them in the right deck so so it's a bit more narrow but still a fun environment and ben wrote an article on the first iteration of the tinkerer's cube for mtga zone so if you're interested Mm -hmm. in seeing that check that out over there yeah do that i didn't really play too much of the tinkerer's cube but what did you think of it overall like did you did you enjoy tinkerer's cube or it's is it just like you wish they had put arena cube up again
1: Hmm. i mean i I do wish they had put arena cube up again yeah uh, it was fun and entertaining, but I remember there, there were a few archetypes that really shone and it felt like if you weren't in one of those archetypes, if you hadn't picked up the specific pieces, it wasn't quite there for me. Uh, Black-white, for example, had some really fun and very powerful life gain synergies like doubling life and having people's lives and doing wild combos with fun enchantments, but ultimately, it almost reminded me of uh, some of those draft environments that have fallen flat because of uh, lanes that are too narrow. Ixalan is one that will always come to mind for this. Uh, Ixalan was known because it had several tribes, uh, dinosaurs, vampires, that type of thing, merfolk. But if you weren't in one of those tribes, if you, if you waffled for a little bit while drafting, if you uh, didn't find your lane right away, you got super punished because there was no cross synergy like we have in Zendikar Rising, which I think is why that set is so great. Um, if you start to go for a red-white warrior's deck, and you get cut off the Warriors, but you're still seeing red and white cards, you just wind up in a red-white party deck, and it's still great. Whereas in Ixalan, if you started taking red and green cards, and then you never saw any dinosaur payoffs, or you never really got there, and it, it turns out maybe you were supposed to be in, in the merfolk seat, but then that was being cut from the other way, it wound up that only a handful of players at the table would wind up with functional decks. And that's what Tinker's Cube reminded me of. Every once in a while, you would just get the nuts. And it was very clear that that's what they had intended. But every once in a while, either because of the cards in the cube or because of missing some signals or because of floundering a little bit while you're drafting, you'd wind up with a a very, very dysfunctional deck compared to some of the best decks in the format. So I think Arena Cube is a little more fair when it comes to that. Um, Tinker's Cube, it, it was good. But... I'll still take Arena Cube over any day.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, and that, that was a really good analogy referencing Ixalan there because that was something. I mean, Ixalan for those who played the format remember it as like it's it's kind of infamous. It was one of the worst draft environments we've had in a while, mm. uh, even before Ixalan, and certainly since Ixalan, it's, it's probably still the worst we've had since that set came out. And that was another reason why I think like Cons of Tarkir is one of the ultimate like high you know, draft formats on pretty much everybody's list. It's just widely regarded as one of, if not the best limited environment ever um, from like a a single set perspective. And I think that's because it did something similar to what Zendikar Rising does, not so much in the like creature type synergies or like crossovers, but Cons of Tarkir was all around, it was centered around wedges, right? You had these three color wedges that built up the clans of the plane of Tarkir. And so you could start by trying to build a two color deck And then if you couldn't quite get there on one of those colors, you just pivoted into the other color in a particular wedge. And now you had you had a three color deck and those were very well supported with fixing and and mana ramp and that kind of stuff. But you never really felt like you were floundering to find at home. If you missed your lane, you could still pivot into another lane and not really have any issue with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and Ixalan was very much not like that. There was no dinosaur, dinosaur merfolk deck or dinosaur vampire deck. Like if you didn't get all the way there on one of those archetypes, you didn't get there at all.
1: Yeah, now actually, it's going to be interesting coming up with Kaldheim, which we're seeing is actually going to be a tribal set as well. We've seen giants, angels, el no, yeah, elves and dwarves, um, which I'm really excited for. But I'm hoping that we uh, we see this work out. It looks like they're actually going with the shapeshifter route to kind of glue them all together. It's going to be interesting how they how they do that. We've only seen a few spoilers at this point. Maybe by the time this episode releases, we'll have even more. But hopefully, this winds up on the you know the good side of the spectrum when it comes to uh, tribal drafting
0: yeah because this could fall flat and it'll be the first set in a long time to do that i mean where the spark where the spark kind of got there uh with the way that they designed the gods in that set and that's another thing i'm super excited about with kaldheim is just how the gods are going to shape up but Mm -hmm. um it could fall flat and it could be it could be difficult to get decks together when you miss on something or you misread a signal or something but uh we'll see yeah i'm hoping and i'm curious what 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 additions are going to come out of that set from for other cubes Now, speaking of cubes that don't have that problem cubes that are, are very open and easy to get into all sorts of different archetypes vintage cube vintage cube is kind of the creme de la creme of cubes right it's it's the pinnacle and i'm I mean, it's not where everybody starts as far as a cube is concerned. Of course, Ben, I think you're the anomaly there, but <laughs> it, is, it is like the pinnacle of cubes and most limited fans will consider it the best format to play limited, like the best drafting environment, full stop.
1: Uh, you get to play with the most powerful toys in the, in the toolbox, right? You've got Black Lotus, you've got Time Walk, you've got Lily, you've got Jace, you've got everything in between uh seagate stormcaller has actually made a big splash in the vintage cube recently you think seagate stormcaller is good when it copies an opt how about an extra turn spell or a draw three but you can do some really busted stuff in vintage cube uh some big archetypes to look out for are things like reanimator splinter twin uh kind of like an infinite combo type that's also like a backup blue red control deck storm is infamous in vintage cube uh whether or not you get there on the storm deck is is always a uh, (laughs) is a a fun time to see highly recommend going watching some of lsv's videos of of storm and probably the best vintage Cube storm player oh yeah if you ever want to see an expert at work just just watch lsv or like like bk like draft storm and then you'll see some power that's how you play limited Now, that being said, there's also some more fair strategies. You can play stuff like white and red, and and those often win games too, because, you, again, you punish the people trying to do bigger, more fancy things. So all of these cubes, they have a lot of the same heuristics in common. So the ones we talked about earlier, uh, you can apply this uh, to these as well. You want to take unique effects, cards that are irreplaceable, lands included, uh, but also ramp spells. So, for example, Vintage Cube has Signets in it. Uh, so the Signets are pretty high picks, along with other Artifact Ramp. Uh, stuff like counter spells are also pretty highly picked in Vintage Cube, just because they're some of the only ways that you have to stop their more busted combos. I don't actually think counter spells are that great in Arena Cube or Tinker's Cube. Um, some of them but that's are okay. Because,
0: I mean, Essence Scatter is, yeah, yeah. is in the Arena Cube, and I found that that's pretty powerful because a lot of the massive bombs are creatures.
1: Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Essence Scatter is probably the the cleanest answer to Hornet Queen in the format, right? Yep. But besides that, you want to follow a lot of the same general ideas. Deploy your game plan faster than your opponent, look for repeatable card advantage sources, uh, and look for ways for consistency. So for example, fetch lands are first pickable in Vintage Cube, easily.
0: Yeah, and one other thing to consider there is, as with any limited set, it's great to know the set, but more so in cubes. Knowing what cards are available mm-hmm. to you yeah. is a huge boon over people who don't know the set, because... You know, for instance, if you're drafting Arena Cube, and you get past a Golos, well, you can say, okay, I picked a land first pick, and second pick I have a Golos. I know there are a ton of dual lands, and I know Fields of the Dead is in this set, so I'm gonna pick him up. He's colorless, fits into a bunch of different, like, styles, kind of, and, like, there's a lot you can do with it, but these are all just based on knowing a few cards in the, in the, in the cube, so definitely... Learn the cubes if you're going to spend time drafting them a lot. Otherwise, just hang out and have fun. I mean, they're going to be fun environments regardless of whether you know what cards are getting passed. And sometimes it might be more fun if you don't know what cards are getting passed. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I will say in this iteration of Arena Cube, I have had Field of the Dead decks. I've had Golos decks. I have not had the blessing of having them in the same deck, sadly. Uh, but I will say I did have a Golos deck. I think I, I took that to like six and three or something. And I I had a a beautiful game of against blue white control where I cast every single card in my deck and about half of them more than once because I <laughs> ended up when I had zero cards in my library I cast memory and I I shuffled my graveyard back into my library and I drew seven cards and then I ended up recasting a bunch of stuff uh, I beat the Ugin across the battlefield from the the blue white control player and I. I won by attacking with a four4 on turn like 30 something it was nice. awesome the, the stories you get from cubing are unlike anything else in in, in magic y- your your bad beats are worse than ever but your victories are better than ever too
0: yeah and I think and this kind of segues into the next topic we were going to talk about one of the awesome things about cube is that you're taking cards that were never designed to be put together and giving them a space to to run free. Alongside each other, and sometimes Mm -hmm. that is just a bunch of powerful cards next to each other that are all competing for the most powerful card in the in the format slot. And sometimes that means the synergy goes through the roof. And one of the things that we've been introducing, or at least introducing to ourselves and kind of exploring, is this ability to heighten synergy through what the draft half cube that we've been building. And if you haven't heard before, maybe this is your first episode, or you you haven't heard the last episode or whatever, Ben and I are building a cube we're calling the Draft Chaff Cube. It includes only cards that can be considered chaff. If you want to know what we consider chaff, check out our What is Draft Chaff episode. I can't remember what number it was, but you can find it by title. It was one of our earlier ones. Yeah. And um, we are only including cards that we consider to be chaff in the cube, and we've been building it out quite a bit. Um, Our patrons get a little bit of an inside look on that. We've been discussing it before our episodes in the uncut version of the episodes, but it's been really fun to understand how cubes can come together and this is the first cube either of us have built and it's shaping up to be really spectacular like we have some really interesting spins on the archetypes that we all have come to love aristocrats uh draw cards where like blue red's gonna be like a counter burn kind of style thing but because we're only using chaff cards and we've limited ourselves to an average card value of 25 cents uh we, we have some very interesting spins on familiar archetypes which has been really fun to explore we're getting to put our own like personalities and flavor into it. It's kind of funny because building a cube has been like it's like it's like EDH deck building on steroids. Like
1: you're It really is. Yeah.
0: I'm getting the same the same I don't know what the word is, adrenaline rush or 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 the same satisfaction it's of building an EDH. Dental
1: exercise almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we've been doing it together and kind of breaking down like, okay. Ben's going to tackle the green white archetype because that's his wheelhouse and I'm going to tackle blue green because that's what I like to do. And we've been we've been talking about it back and forth and like we'll take we'll split up, take some time to, to come up with ideas on our own, come back and talk about it. It's been a blast. And I really recommend that if you haven't given cube design a, ch- a shot, maybe look into EDH decks. If you haven't started building EDH decks yet, start there. But then really give it a give it a shot. Like cube building has been really fun. I have really, really been enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I'll say it's been a mental workout uh, because it, it's had us rack our brains about, I don't know, every card in the modern history of magic that costs 25 cents or less. And thanks, Scryfall, for <laughs> helping us out with that one. But then also figuring out, like, what do we want the two color pairs to do? How do we want to include, like, signpost cards? But then how do we also want to allow for branching out into other colors? So just to, to give a, a little bit of a, a, a sneak peek I think it'd be fun if we'd both go through and share a few of our, our favorite includes.
0: Yeah, sure. And before we get into that real fast, we are going to be publishing the cube. Of course, we mentioned we're giving away a copy of the cube. That's going to be a physical copy. We'll send you all 360 cards. You'll get a, a full copy of the cube. But we are going to publish the, the cube list. So if you want to build it yourself, that's totally an option as well. We're not going to keep the, the card list to ourselves. We want to share it and have everybody playing it as much as possible.
1: Absolutely. And the best part is because these are all like, this is like bulk rare dot cube. This should be pretty easy for, for you to put together if you wanted to. I mean, honestly, I have a lot of these cards just sitting in my collection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're targeting, like like we said, it's going to be kind of an average of 25 cents per card, but we're also kind of targeting like a ceiling of a hundred dollars. So it's going to be a cheap cube to put together. Um, even if it's something that, that if you don't happen to win it, it you you'll be able to put it together pretty, pretty inexpensively. Yeah. Uh, but why don't you why don't you start us off with the with with some of the archetypes you wanted to talk about?
1: Sure. So, a few of my favorites. I got to go with Red White Equipment. You already know this is coming. You you people all know. I don't want to give the wrong idea. I am like a green mage at heart, but something about Red White Equipment, it's just the meme deck. It's so much fun. You know it's also fun with Red White Equipment allies. So, we've uh, we've kind of taken this Red White Equipment allies deck and uh, kind of flesh it out so that it can also work with some of the allies that we're also including in the black-white aristocrats deck. So we've got cards like uh, Akiri Fearless Voyager from Zendikar Rising, but we've also got cards like Angelic Captain from uh, Old Zendikar, which is three red-white for a four-three angel ally. And whenever it attacks, it gets plus one, plus one for each other attacking ally. Well, red-white wants to do that anyway, but you could also reasonably have a Mardu deck, a black-red-white deck that's playing... A bunch of allies, and maybe splashing for angelic captain, or maybe it's a uh, red-white deck that just incidentally happens to have a lot of allies in it, and maybe not as many artifact equipment sub themes. So we've kind of tried to include a lot of these special subtypes, like sub hidden decks within the uh, the larger cube itself. For example, we've also got uh, kind of a, a green-red tokens sacrifice theme with some devour creatures. Uh, well, it has the usual theme of like big creatures power matters for its its main archetype. Uh, it has this this cool sub theme that I, I'm really excited to see also how it plays with the uh, the aristocrats theme. I, I think my, my second favorite archetype is Black green spiders, which I am just super excited for. We're playing stuff we're, we're playing all the hits. Uh, Nyx Weaver we've got in there that that mills you every turn and uh, you can exile it to get a card back from your graveyard. We're playing uh, spider spawning the arguably one of the most desired build around card in the entire history of limited magic would you say that
0: yeah i I think it's pretty well known as as one of the biggest or like most desired build arounds yeah
1: yeah we've got a whole bunch of fun stuff but then i think i'll let you take this one we also have morbid bloom uh, which makes a bunch of sapperlings
0: yeah so sapperlings are kind of one of my pet uh creature types i really love sapperling decks Slimefoot and and all of those kind of yavimaya sapper that kind of stuff really really is like the black green archetype that i love so we have this like art this this ca- or tokens kind of sub theme with graveyard interactions and delirium and such with the spiders but then we also provide room for the sapperlings and fungus kind of sub archetype through cards like Slimefoot foot and, and things like that with or morbid bloom and uh so we have like these these main archetypes every color pair has a main archetype and then they also have a a sub theme and we've also been trying to to allow for wedges to to form as well so we have one of the things ben mentioned with vintage cube being being the signets is the there are these uh, mana rocks in cubes that really allow for ramp or or splashing of colors and things like that and one of the first decisions we made was which rocks do we want in in the cube and we decided to go with the clue stones because they aren't used all that frequently. And they are on the more expensive side. We didn't want this to be a super aggressive format, right? So they're they're three mana, three mana rocks, and they all become creatures of some kind that do something that, that are kind of relevant. So they're not just dead cards if you don't need the, the mana later in the game or something. Um so we included the clue stones, and that allows us to have these these branching wedges. And one of my favorite things and one of the first archetypes that I wanted to add to the cube was big butts. Like my, mm-hmm. one of my first ever kind of chaffy constructed decks that actually worked pretty well in standard was, was a big butts deck around assault formation, which allows creatures to, to deal damage equal to their toughness instead of their power. And so it runs a, a bunch of O X's that are, that have like six toughness or whatever and are two mana. And then you run assault formation. There's also a, assault formation's green, but then you also have high alert, which is a blue white card. And then you have cards like Arcades, the strategist, which is a bant card that also gives the same effect. So we have this kind of layover, and Arcades is a bit out of budget, so we're not sure that's actually going to make the final cut. But
1: Yeah, um, we'll
0: see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But then there's also Huatli, which is the the uncommon Huatli, which is a planeswalker that does this as well as a static effect. So we have a bunch of ways for that to happen, and we because red-green involves bigger creatures, you're going to have cards with high toughness anyway in green. Um, so there's layover and, and overlaps in that. Blue-green also is kind of a counter draw theme, so we have like cards like lower Scale Quadle that care about plus one plus one counters, but also care about drawing cards. One of my favorite archetypes that I'm interested to see how it's going to work out is is Blue Red, because we're going with sort of a spell slinger, sort of counter burn kind of theme involving cards like Mercurial Chemister, which lets you, you know, deal damage equal to cards in hand and things like that, Mind swipe. We'll have cards that do that sort of thing and then the, the aristocrats deck is going to be really fun too i'm really excited for how we have layover or or overlaps between like black red with aristocrats and sacrifice and we also have blue black being a reanimator theme or a mill theme so some of the black cards are going to overlap there and you'll actually be able to get a, a pretty solid i'm expecting a pretty solid grixis reanimator slash aristocrats deck um mm-hmm. so there's a lot of overlap between all of these archetypes and i'm hoping that that is going to give us an environment that feels kind of similar to Zendikar Rising, where it doesn't really matter when you get into a deck, you just know you'll be able to get into one.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last archetype that I'm super excited for was one that I was just telling you about before the show. Uh, Mardu ping. <laughs> uh, in red, there's going to be plenty of like ping effects, so dealing one damage to a certain thing. And we're also going to have a few ways to give creatures death touch. So when you have a creature that can deal one damage to another creature, and you give your creature death touch, well it just kills it instantly. So that was a really fun build around in uh, in Ikoria when we had the Porky Parrot and a bunch of ways to give a Death Touch. So I was thinking, how can we get a little, little two-card combo like that going in here as well? We also have some things that are reminiscent of uh, older cubes. We're not playing Splinter Twin per se, but I do think it'd be fun to include the uh, Presence of Gond and Midnight Guard combo, which uh, if you stick Presence of Gond, which says tap to make a one one elf uh, it's an aura that you put on a creature and that creature gains tap to make one-one elf if you put that on midnight guard which says whenever a creature enters the battlefield untap this creature you can make infinite one one elves uh, but then i also think it'd be pretty funny to have a card that say deals one damage to every creature which we already have a, a few copies of that in in, in a, a few i think a few color pairs in our cube have that already yeah red white uh, and
0: black red are the two two big ones
1: yeah, ones that could easily wipe the board full of uh full of smaller creatures like that. Raging Swordtooth and Red Green as well is oh, one of that, our yeah that one too uh, our uncommons. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I'm just excited to keep working on this. Every time I I, I pull this up, I get a new idea, and I, I want to try to fit it all in here. When are we making the next one?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So well, that's that's the other thing that's going to be super interesting is now that we have. I mean, we d- we haven't finished the cube. We have pretty much all the multicolored stuff laid out, and we're gonna have to start selectively. Sh- like trimming the monocolored cards that are making it as soon as we have a, a quote-unquote final list together we'll, we'll be posting that on um, cube cobra but one thing that i am really excited about is now that we have this it's kind of like a living set right when call time yeah. comes out with this call time spoilers i'm looking for cards to add to the cube when strip yeah, yeah. comes out i'm looking for cards to add to the cube it's going to be oh, so much man. fun to be constantly iterating on this and of course you know you guys, the the listeners, our community here, the Draft chaff community, or the chaficionados as we're calling them, <laughs> are going to be able to suggest stuff too. Like it's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope that people are, are interested in picking up copies of it and jamming it with their friends when we're allowed to see people again. And also, we're going to be looking to play test this relatively soon. So um, if you're interested in doing that kind of thing, stick around the Discord because we're probably going to recruit some of you folks. To uh, help us test it before we yeah. uh, give the comp- give away a cube that we haven't tested, right?
1: <laughs> our uh, our guinea pigs, yeah. Yeah, and, and don't think we've spoiled the whole thing. Um, we also have 10, we left 10 flex spots for what we're calling uh, our, our chaff master's picks. Uh, these are cards that can be anything. Uh, as long as it can be chaff, we're, we're, we left some room for us to just insert just whatever we want into this cube. As long as it's chaffy. So uh, there might be some hidden five-color archetypes in here, which we will not spoil, uh, and there's there's plenty more than that. There's going to be some of the little Easter eggs thrown in here, definitely putting in a Mana War, thanks to uh, Marshall's of inclusion course, in course. this.
0: We couldn't make—I mean, if you did hear our interview with Marshall, we we asked him about uh, what archetype he would like to see in a cube of this nature, and uh, he, he mentioned that shuffle matters, or cards that care about shuffling. We did look into it, but there are so few cards that care about shuffling that we really couldn't make it work. But love the suggestion, and we we think it's going to be a lot of fun. But that about does it for us this week. I think we covered cube pretty well, and if you have any questions, we have a, a pretty active cube channel in our Discord, so that's a great place to hop over and ask any other cube questions you might have. Of course, if you're not in the Discord already, you can check that out via the link that's in our episode description or on our Twitter page. Um, and of course, if you're interested in giving back to the show or supporting us directly, you can do so via the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. And just once again, if you're not in the discord, we highly encourage you to do so to submit questions for the holiday mailbag episode. That is next week's episode. It's already here. Christmas is right around the corner. And we're going to be recording that on Saturday, which is the day after this episode airs. So Saturday, the I don't know what the date is. Let's take a look. Saturday 19, the 19th. Yeah. Yes. We're going to be recording this. So if you're not in yet, you have about 24 hours from when this episode releases to uh, get in, in and ask more questions on the holiday mailbag episode. And once again, if you're interested in winning a copy of the Draft Chaff Cube TM, uh, you can do so by checking out the announcements post, the pinned post in the announcements channel on the Discord. And if you need to contact us or would like to contact us in any way outside of the Discord, you can do so by reaching us on Twitter. You can find me at Rana Galfridian. You can find Ben at Betafish1 or the podcast directly at Pod. And if you want to email us, you can email us at DraftJafPod at gmail.com. That does it for us, and we'll catch you guys next week for a super special Holiday Mailbag episode.
1: Oh, well, I'm excited. See y'all then. So before we head off, let's talk Kaldheim spoilers. These absolute lunatics at Wizards of the Coast are printing more elk. They're making my elk commander deck even stronger. Do they know what they're doing?
0: No, I think they do. And here's what I think they're doing. You called them out a while ago for printing Dawnbreaker Regent. I think is the card, mm-hmm. the, the the big yeah. green one in Commander Legends. Uh, green elk. Yeah,
1: it, it, it gives you the monarch and everything. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's ridiculous.
0: I think I think they saw your post and they're like, okay, how do we make him like destroy himself? from the inside and i think that the way that they decide to do that is decision paralysis they're going to give you so many good elk you don't know what to do Uh with
1: them no i didn't think of this you know i was thinking about this with our very cube what happens when we have to start making hard cuts
0: yeah it's gonna be really tough
1: like what what if a card comes along that we have to cut and like we have to remove like cloud blazer or something like can, can we ever do that are we too married to it like that'll be tough to come around to but I'm, I'm looking specifically at uh realm walker right now yeah so, Realmwalker uh, is interesting yeah it's a shapeshifter it's a two three it has changeling so it's every type including elk when it enters the battlefield you choose a creature type and uh you can look at the top card of your library anytime and cast creatures of the chosen type oh so i mean this is great
0: dude they just spoiled the kaya too
1: Whoa! Hold on, like just now. Yeah, I just, don't even I just updated.
0: Again. I just updated the page. So she's a. We're, here we we have the giraffe chaff uh, spoiler card for. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I wish. No, um, her name is Kaya the in, inexorable or inexorable. I don't know how to pronounce that word. It's a three it's
1: inexorable. Yeah.
0: three white black for legendary planeswalker Kaya. She has plus one. Put a ghost form counter on up to one target non-token creature. It gains when this creature dies or is put into exile, return it to its owner's hand, and create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with to flying. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Minus three is exile target non-land permanent. And minus seven is you get an emblem. With At the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a legendary spell from your hand, from your graveyard, or from cards you own in exile without paying its mana cost. Wow.
1: Whoa. Three and gods, notably anybody? She at, <laughs> notably, she starts at five loyalty. Yeah, so she so, only has to tick uh, up
0: twice before she can do that.
1: And uh, also notably here, if you're putting ghost form counters on, say, your legendary creatures, uh, when they die, they get, well, okay, they're not going put in exile, they get put back to your hand, so, hmm, very interesting card. Uh, this ghost form counter is an, a pretty interesting design choice i wonder how good this is going to be getting a 1-1 spirit when they die and then getting that card back is pretty good it essentially means that your your uh, legendary creature cards all gain the uh, the scarab god effect right where mm-hmm. if anything would happen to them you know you're going to get them back
0: yeah i mean it's it's not like Malakir rebirth where they come back right away like it goes to your hand but you do still get a body left behind like i, I think that's going to be relevant
1: not to mention i mean she's obviously super great and limited minus three exile and line permanent yeah. oh yeah yeah like th- this is going to be a first pick windmill slam right i
0: would think so yeah sorry I, I didn't mean to derail your whole conversation you had planned on on
1: oh no this is so this, much better than that <laughs>
0: this is that's just spoiled and it looks amazing
1: i want to talk about spoilers and and this is one of them uh, i mean also now that we've started to see some of the stuff in the set i love angels it was one of my first favorite tribes in magic I've always wanted to make an Angel's deck work, but uh, one of the hardest parts about building Angels in, say, Commander, for example, is that uh, it's very tough to find early game plays. But even just today, we've seen several cards spoiled. Uh, youthful Valkyrie, one of the white for a 1-3 whenever an Angel ETBs put a 1-1 counter on her, or a Starnheim Aspirant, two in a white for a 2-2. Angel spells you cast cost two less. Like, this is exactly what I've always wanted. This is amazing. I love it.
0: Yeah, and I I have a a creature type that is one of my highest pet archetypes, or pet creature types, I should say, um, that I've been wanting to build for Commander for a long time, which is Sphinxes. But Sphinxes also suffer from the same problem, where almost none of them are below 4 CMC, so it's pretty hard to have an all-Sphinx deck.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. You might have to wait until we go back to Amonkhet for that one. I don't know if sphinxes are going to show up on call. then,
0: I mean, I was expecting to see them with like Amonkhet or and we did get some, but yeah. they don't build like it's there's no archetype built around them. Like angels are all over the place. I guess there aren't enough sphinx. I, I don't know. They've never really built on it as a, as a creature type.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested to see how they take this one. Like we mentioned earlier. Shapeshifter is a very unique archetype, and it's been a long time since we've seen this in standard. Uh, so I'm curious about how this one's going to go.
0: Yeah, it's funny too because there's a commander deck I started building right after I finished Kenrith, which is a, a is this your deck? No, my deck, kind of deck, and uh, <laughs> uh, and it involves every card basically that says copy something uh, mm. and a lot of shapeshifters. So I'm I'm. Nice excited for the the new additions to that deck that I'll be getting.
1: I'm hoping to get some uh some nice like dwarves and giants because I'm in the process of building a Lord of the Rings theme deck, so you know, I'll need some cool stuff for that. Maybe a, a legendary sword or two and maybe some high elves. Although I was looking into some of the, uh, the lore from this set. It sounds like the elves in Kaldheim are a little more uh a little more brash than the elves that we're used to from yeah, other planes.
0: A bit more barbaric, I think.
1: I I like it. It's a fun direction to go in.